Welcome to the Standing Up to Pots podcast, otherwise known as the Potscast. This podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering the community about postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, commonly referred to as POTS. This invisible illness impacts millions and we are committed to explaining the basics, raising awareness, exploring the research, and empowering patients to not only survive, but thrive. This is the Standing Up to POTS podcast. Hello, fellow POTS patients and terrific people who care about POTS patients. I'm Jill Brooke, your horizontal host, and today we have an episode of the POTS Diaries where we get to hear the tales of others in our community. So today we are speaking with Jenna, who kindly volunteered to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jenna. Yes, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start with some basics. Where are you? What is your age? And what are some basics we should know about Jenna? So I currently reside in Salem, Oregon, which is actually where I grew up. I'm originally from San Diego, but we moved up here when I was six. I'm married. I am a dietetic student online currently, and I have a little wiener dog named Rennie, and I am 31. (laughs) Wonderful. A little wiener dog. That sounds so cute. Yes. So tell us about Salem, Oregon. What is your town known for? (laughs) I think Salem is mostly, well, Oregon in general is, there's a lot of very outdoorsy people. So there's a lot of like hiking and kayaking and paddleboarding predominantly in the summer, but I do have a lot of friends that hike when it's raining or snowing. That's not really my jam, but a lot of people do that. Um, And then there's a lot of like farming land and things like that. Great. Okay. And I know that you had mentioned before we started recording that you had worked already this morning. Mm -hmm. What do you do for work? I was working two jobs. I was working at my church in the childcare with the little ones, but my body couldn't handle all of it. So uh, now I just work with one of my friends who has RA. She gets help through the state. So I basically clean her house and carry her child upstairs to put him down for a nap, things like that. Just help her out. Oh, that's so nice. Okay, more questions. You mentioned you're a dietetics student. Tell us about that and why did you choose that area? I was a longtime athlete. I played volleyball for like 11 and a half years, played in college a little bit. And my husband, he was a baseball player. And so we were both really into like working out and eating healthy and learning about, I guess, the science behind nutrition. And I originally went to school for speech pathology back in like 2012, but I took some time off because my dad passed away like nine years ago and I was 22 and I just had a hard time with it. But I started working full time so my husband could finish his degree. He wants to go to medical school. So it's kind of a long road for him. And that's also partly why I chose online school. (laughs) So I'm free to move wherever we need to go. But yeah, I just found myself on my free time looking up stuff about nutrition just because I was curious about it. And then I started kind of looking into the profession and I just, I really like it. So (laughs) Exciting. Okay. So based on what you've learned so far, what would you say is your favorite meal for blend of both tasting good and being healthy? My favorite meal. I really like Thai food a lot. I usually will get like pad CU, which is, it's actually like thin fat rice noodles. Um, and I usually get like chicken or shrimp or something in it. I do like tofu. 
as well if it's cooked right. <laughs> um, and I love like vegetables. I love broccoli and things like that. So I'm kind of rice, broccoli, protein, or usually that's my staple. I do like a good sandwich though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Thai food really knows how to make vegetables exciting, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's usually pretty fresh, I feel like. Yeah. Okay. So how would your friends or family describe your personality, do you think? Well, they tell me that I'm funny because sometimes I just say what's on my mind and it can sound kind of funny, but maybe that I'm a little quirky and um, sometimes I talk too much, I think. <laughs> But a lot of my friends come to me for advice. So maybe that I give good advice and I'm always honest no matter what. But I will make sure that I deliver information gently if it's like a hard conversation. But yeah, I, I once you're my friend, you're my friend for life. So I'm pretty loyal, I guess. Very nice. Okay. So if we were going to make you brag about yourself, what are some things you're good at? Some things I'm good at. I would say that I'm good at making friends. I'm kind of somebody who can connect with all different types of people. I'll just like talk to someone randomly at the dog park when I go there and we'll just talk about crazy things. And for whatever reason, people open up to me really quickly. <laughs> so I would just say like making genuine connections is what I love. And it's, I think my strength, one of my biggest strengths. Very cool. So did you have a life before POTS? And if so, can you give us a snapshot of what that looked like? To be honest, I'm not sure because I've had symptoms pretty much my whole life. But it definitely is harder now that I'm getting older. I think my body's, you know, not handling it as well. But I was super active, which I think kind of helped growing up. But I always was pushing myself because I've had pretty much had fatigue since I was like really, really little. My mom said that I used to need to be carried a lot compared to my other siblings. And I would like put myself down for my naps myself or put myself to bed or fall asleep anywhere. But my aunt was a lot like me. So my mom didn't really think anything of it. But that carried on till today. So. <laughs> so it sounds like you managed to be super athletic despite this fatigue. So how did that work? Did you have like energetic moments interspersed with tired moments or did you just push through it or how did the volleyball happen? I think I just, I kind of have the personality where I just kind of carry on with things. And so I think I just carried on. I just accepted it or thought maybe like everybody was feeling this way. And I mean, it was hard. Like I used to come home after um, school and I would nap for like 20 minutes because that's all I had before practice because I was just that exhausted. Oh, man. And I think maybe adrenaline <laughs> mm -hmm. is how I just kind of turned it on and just pushed myself. Because volleyball is like the hardest sport, right? I know that I like to think I can do some athletic things, but when it comes to volleyball, I'm like, oh, man, that's so far out of my league in so many different ways at once. How it's, it's funny to me that you chose volleyball of all of the sports you could have done. Was that killer or what drew you to volleyball? I tried a couple other sports when I was younger. Didn't love basketball. I played that for like one year and it was a co-ed team, one through third grade. And so no one passed me the ball. I just ran back and forth. 
<laughs> and I didn't enjoy that. So I didn't play that again. And then I did gymnastics actually for a year. I was doing pretty good with that. But then I, I developed Osgood-Schlatter's. I don't know if you know what that is. No, what's that? Pretty common. It, they, I think sometimes they call it like jumper's knee. But basically, if you are younger and you have like a lot of strength, like I naturally have strong quads and they're pretty big, I guess. And so it pulls on where your patella attaches to your tibia, which is like your shin, your, you know, the lower half of your leg bone. And from what I remember, what the orthopedist told me is essentially that area, it's pulling on it. So your body thinks it's injured. So it keeps adding layers of bone. I have like a bump on the front of both of my knees and it's extremely painful when you're developing it. <laughs> so I quit gymnastics because I was in pain and I was nine years old and I was like, mom, I'm, this hurts. And then she suggested volleyball. My sister and I both played and it doesn't really get intense till you get older. So yeah, I just loved it. I don't know. Okay. Great. Yeah, boy, it's always amazing how many different ways a body has to torture you. I had never heard of that one before. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry that happened. Okay, so at what point did you say, all right, it's time to look into this. Something's not right. I'm different than I ought to be. How old were you and what did that look like? It was probably probably junior year of high school, I think, because that's when I started being more active, I guess. I don't know. Like when I was 16, I started sweating a ton when I was playing volleyball, more than ever before, more than my teammates. And I didn't know why. I just was sweaty. For some reason, my knees sweat really bad. I don't know why, like the front of my knees. <laughs> yeah, so my knee pads were soaked after every practice. Your but... knees were so busy growing extra yeah. bone and extra sweating. Okay. They're not the best, but they're still here. They're hanging on. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I went to a few different doctors, but I think the hard part was, is my issues. I didn't, I didn't know that all of them weren't normal, I guess. I kind of thought that everybody experienced what I was experiencing or I chalked it up to anxiety or something like that. But we went to, I think the first major thing is we went to a doctor asking about my fatigue because it was just like that that's been the hardest thing for me. And so we tested like my thyroid, iron levels, all that blood work, all that good stuff. And I do have slight hypothyroidism. So I have had that treated. I'm currently having it treated now, but it doesn't really make a difference unless it's like too much. And then my heart beats too fast, but all the other things, they just kind of looked at me like, Hmm, I don't know. Like that's weird. <laughs> So did you have that moment where you found out that you had an underactive thyroid and you were like, yes, this is going to be the thing. I'm going to treat the thyroid and then everything's going to get better. And you took the thyroid replacement hormone and you waited and you waited. And you can probably tell that I'm speaking from experience here a little bit. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... Honestly, I think I was hoping, I think I was hoping that it was going to help significantly so I could have more energy during the day. I might have noticed a slight, slight difference, but other than that, pretty much everything was the same. So I think at one point I even, I just stopped taking it because it looks like it doesn't do anything. And I was right 
on the low normal kind of. So, but now because my husband and I may want to have kids possibly next year, we're trading it now with my new doctor. So we're just starting slow. (laughs) Okay, great. So you had mentioned that part of you thought that maybe everybody experienced these things. Do you feel like anybody ever made you feel like it was just anxiety or just you imagining it? Or did you kind of get that idea from anywhere? I don't know if anyone necessarily told me that, but I think just with the way that I grew up, there was a lot of anxious situations, I will say. And so I think I naturally would second guess myself because I wasn't that confident in myself at the time. And so I would always be really hard on myself. So I'm just like, well, maybe I'm just being a baby or maybe I'm just crazy or I'm making this up or I'm, you know, something like that. And then I just kind of moved on. But I stopped talking about the things I was experiencing because I don't know why, but it kind of bothered me when people would say things like, dang, you're falling apart or, or you're an 80 year old in a (laughs) 18 year old's body. Or I've had girls at volleyball tournaments say something to me about my sweating. And like, I don't know, I guess I felt kind of insecure about that. So I was hesitant to, but sometimes it just comes out, you know what I mean? Yeah, that sounds really hard, especially at that age. What got you through it? And do you have any advice for any people who are in similar situations now? I think something that really helps me is my faith. But also, I don't know, I think that you can't just give up with anything in life. You either stop or you keep going. And I think I just tried to always (laughs) just work my hardest every day at anything I could, basically. So I don't know, just keep putting one foot in front of the other would be my advice, because eventually you're going to get to where you need to be. So it just takes patience and grace, a lot of grace. That's great. And when did you eventually find out it was POTS? How long did it take you to get a diagnosis? (laughs) Uh, Well, a little background. I went and saw a cardiologist back in like 2013, I think because my heart rate was getting high and I was very active. So whenever I was working out, I was getting lightheaded, like I was going to pass out and it was constant and I was yawning constantly during my workout. And so my lips would kind of be blue. I, I, I just didn't know what was going on, but I also didn't know that I was having a super high heart rate until I took a, the Spartan, this it's called a Spartan class. It's basically this like intense, it's kind of like CrossFit workout type thing. And um, we had to wear heart monitors. And they said the goal was to stay in the green the whole time, you know, fat burning zone or whatever. And I was in like really good shape at this time. And there was a lot of women in there who were not (laughs) in as good a shape as me. And mine was the only one in the red the whole time. I think my heart got up to like 306, I believe. And I didn't really, I don't know why, but I didn't know that that I just didn't know what a normal heart rate was and the guy after the class came up to me and he's like are you okay (laughs) I was like I'm tired but yeah and he was just like I thought you were gonna die (laughs) I don't mean to laugh but I was just kind of like okay and then I just left so I talked to my mom about it we went to the cardiologist everything was normal so she told me it was neurogenic syncope 
So I was like, okay, I guess I'm fine. And then it just progressed. And then I heard about POTS actually when I was watching a chronic fatigue documentary because I was just curious about it. And POTS was one of the things they were evaluating this one woman for. And I was like, what is that? And so when they explained it, I literally was like, that's what I have. Like, that's it. I know it. And then I researched for like two years and then went and saw two cardiologists and I had to kind of advocate, but I got diagnosed last year. <laughs> so Wow. So you had to figure it out yourself. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, all these things make sense because I thought they were all separate issues, but they're all like connected anyway. So how'd you feel when you figured out what you had? Were you relieved or were you bummed out? I honestly felt kind of validated. And I don't know why it was so important to me to get an actual diagnosis. I just think in the long run, it's the best thing. I just felt kind of like finally, like I know what's going on. And it gave me a foothold to know how to take care of my body better because I wasn't doing the things that I really should have been doing. <laughs> and that's why I felt so lousy all the time. It just makes me feel more kind of in control of how I manage my body, I guess. So once you knew what your problem was, did that enable you to do things that helped very much? Like how much improvement did you see once you started knowing it was POTS and doing the POTS treatments or things? So I am still pretty symptomatic as far as like the lightheadedness, shortness of breath. My heart rate still gets up sometimes, but I am on a beta blocker and it's proper law. And it actually really helps with like the tachycardia and like I don't get tremors when I get up anymore. I don't get the random heart pounding when I'm laying down. I don't get as many palpitations and it's so much more comfortable for me. Like I, <laughs> I'd rather be on it than not. But as far as the blood getting back up to my brain, it's not going to, it doesn't really do anything. It just kind of takes care of the tachycardia. So, but I do feel a lot better that that's taken care of. And now I just try to get my fluids in. I love salt. So I'm glad I get to eat that. <laughs> <laughs> silver linings. Yep. Silver lining. And I think it was just easier for people around me as well to understand um, when I would just pass out on the couch and stuff like that. <laughs> Make me feel a little less weird. I've fallen asleep at so many people's houses. It's not even funny, but. <laughs> well, okay. Talk more about that. How do you think POTS has made you unique or what do you think are the biggest challenges or the biggest ways that it affects your life? predominantly the fatigue is the big thing. I've like fallen asleep in movie theaters, I think. I've fallen asleep in class multiple times and I've fallen asleep like on my friend's couches, on my husband's parents' couch. <laughs> they never say anything to me, but sometimes I just like crash and I have, I just like fall asleep. I don't know. But it was really hard in high school because I were in in college actually, because I remember I'd be sitting there and we'd have to be like reading or something. And I would just get so tired. You know, when you're so tired that your eyes kind of start crossing and like you, it's almost like you feel like your body's shutting down. That would happen to me all the time. Or when I would try to study or do homework and I couldn't understand why I physically couldn't keep myself awake. And 
that was the hardest part because I felt rude falling asleep in class <laughs> from my teachers. And also it made studying harder and take a lot longer. And yeah, that was like the hardest thing. So do you think that having a chronic illness has changed you at all as a person? I think it's made me really resilient because of all of the things that I dealt with when I was younger. Because I also possibly have HEDS. I haven't seen a doctor to actually get evaluated yet, but I've looked at the criteria. So like when I was little, my wrist would dislocate all the time and my jaw has dislocated and <laughs> stuff like that. And so that kind of causes a lot of chronic pain everywhere. And that's also made me really resilient and kind of made my capacity to handle hard things grow. And I really, I, I appreciate that aspect because life can be really hard sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about your resilience? Like what goes through your head when you have a day where you have a lot of pain? Mm -hmm. What do you do or think about or what gets you going and on the track to resilience? Usually I pray <laughs> if I'm feeling some type of way about it. And I try to do the things I know I need to do to take care of my body and set me up for success. But I guess I just look at it as it's important to do your best every day. Um, that's just part of who I am as a person. I always want to do my best and I always want to do the just the absolute best that I can at anything. But life goes on. You have to push yourself. Like you just have to. I don't know. Unless you want to be stuck the rest of your life, which I don't. But I think also it's made me really thankful for the diagnosis I got and the help that I get. And just the fact that I'm not alone. I'm not the only person who has these experiences. And it also makes me thankful for where my particular case is at. Because I can work. It is hard energy-wise. But I can. The beta blocker does help me. It doesn't help everybody. And so I am thankful for those things because I know that others, there's other people out there that can't do those things or they can't even stand up without passing out. I know a specific girl who I connected with online and hers just happened like overnight. She just got up, couldn't, couldn't stand. Like, so it puts it in perspective when I'm feeling kind of like, woe is me, <laughs> you know, to be thankful. Not that I minimize my own feelings. I still process them and deal with them because that's important in order to like move through, but just helps with perspective and helps me enjoy life a little bit more. So that's great. Has there been any other silver linings that have come from this at all? I think one of the silver linings would be that there is this community out there that I didn't know existed and it's so supportive. And there's so many people that are dedicated to looking into this complicated <laughs> form of dysautonomia. It's so complicated and your nervous system is so complex. And I just think it's amazing that there's people that are still fighting to keep the conversation going and have that as more of a forethought versus like when you go to the doctor and they don't know what you're talking about, maybe having some sort of like maybe it could be this or, you know, just getting it out there more because I had never heard of it until the documentary. And I, I'm sure there's people out there like me that are like, is this in my head? Am I crazy? Am I lazy? Am I whatever? 
nobody can help me. <laughs> so that's partly why I wanted to do this is because it was, it's very hard. It's hard to not feel like anyone believes you. And, that, and then you're just suffering by yourself, which is like the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what you have mentioned a couple times about doubting yourself or wondering if you had invented this or imagined it or were lazy or whatnot. I have a theory that that's what makes our community so full of kind, nice people. Like everybody's so humble because they've been through that process. <laughs> that I feel like there's no egotistical jerks in this community. And I guess that's one kind of upside is that you yeah. can just encounter the nicest people. Yeah, there's no room for that. We don't, we don't want bullies. <laughs> so would you be up for a speed round where we ask your poor oxygen-starved brain to answer questions quickly with the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite way to get salt? Ooh, probably like French fries or chips, maybe. Like corn chips. What is the drink you find the most hydrating? I usually opt to drink water because that's what I like. But I do drink this stuff called HydroCharge sometimes. It's by this brand called Cage Muscle. It's a supplement company and it just has a lot of good stuff in it, like coconut powder in it and electrolytes. I prefer water. <laughs> Okay. What is your favorite time of the day and why? Probably the early afternoon. And that's because that's the time I get to like rest. <laughs> mm -hmm. I get to lay down and just like either sleep or just relax, rest for a little bit. And it's just like really nice when you plop down and you're exhausted. Where is your favorite place to spend time? Probably just anywhere with my family or like my close friends. Doesn't really matter where, but just having those like real conversations about real things, I value that so much. Like that's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> How many other POTS patients have you ever met face to face? One, actually. There's a girl I know who she's had a lot of stuff, poor thing, but she was diagnosed with POTS, I think, this year. And I think her symptoms kind of started after she got hit by a car. Actually, she was walking, crossing the road and got hit by a car. And then she had, I think like 11 herniated discs or something in her back. And it was just like a long thing. And she was super active before. But um, we sometimes talk about stuff we're experiencing or stuff like her boyfriend doesn't understand or, <laughs> you know, yeah. things like that. Okay, what is some good advice that anyone ever gave you about anything? Hmm, the best advice? Probably two things. I would say I come from a religious family, so something that gives me peace is just remembering, and again, this is what I believe, but <laughs> um, just remembering that I'm not in control and that somebody else has me. And then another thing would just be all you can do is your best, and that's what I tell myself all the time. All you can do is your best. So that's it. And that's usually what I tell my friends too. I'm like, oh, you can use your rest. Just keep going. Persist. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Who is somebody that you admire? I would say my mom. She has been a very selfless person growing up and she did a lot for us four kids and she still does. And she loves us unconditionally, even when we were really challenging at times. <laughs> so I would say, I would say my mom. What is something that you're proud of? Mm, 
I think I'm just proud of all of the things that I accomplished despite what I was dealing with. I'm really proud of that. And it just made, made me feel strong. It's a good feeling because it's like, dang, like I did all that stuff, even though I had no energy all the time. What is one word that describes what it's like to live with POTS? Exhausting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what I would say. Uncomfortable. <laughs> what is a gift that you would have sent to every other POTS patient on earth if you had infinite funds? Probably a gallon water bottle and a nice fuzzy blanket. <laughs> what is something that you are grateful for? My family. My family, for sure. Yeah. Have you ever had to sit down or lie down in a weird place because of POTS? And if so, where was the weirdest place? <laughs> I've definitely had to do that. Sometimes I'll lay like in the hallway, like when I go up the stairs, if I'm just exhausted, sometimes I'll lay in the hallway or I'll lay on the stairs because I'm like trying to crawl up them, but probably just on the floor in random spots, honestly. <laughs> so like if you're going up the stairs, like to a room, sometimes you're too tired to get to the room and then lay down, you have to lay down in the hallway. Yeah. Well, it just feels like I need to lay down and like I could probably push myself but it's it's like you know when you get so tired you're just you're like I have to lay down and no one was around typically so I'm just like I'm just gonna lay here for <laughs> a few minutes yeah that paints a picture yeah yeah okay I just have a couple more questions what do you wish more people knew about POTS that it's not just tachycardia and lightheadedness. I mean, yes, that is the main diagnostic criteria, but there's so many other things that you experience that nobody can see. And also just that just because we look fine doesn't mean that we feel fine. I've learned to cope really, really well. Is there anything you'd like to say to your fellow POTS patients who may be listening? You guys are all so strong and you're heard and you're valued and you're worthy and you're loved and you all have purpose. That is what I would like to say. <laughs> nice. And my last question is why did you agree to let us share your story today? Because probably it took so long for me to get answers and to know like how to try and get this under control or at least the best that I can. And I suffered a lot because of it. For years and I felt kind of pushed aside by a lot of medical professionals and it just is a really lonely isolating feeling and I just think it's important to get the word out that this is a thing that people experience and it's real and it's common and there's people that need help and if we can just put that out there more people will know about it more people will feel supported and more people will know that they're not crazy, that they're actually, <laughs> there's a reason why they're going through what they're going through. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. Jenna, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. We really, really appreciate it. And I know that everybody listening wishes you only the best going forward. Likewise. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, likewise. And hey, listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. We'll be back again next week. Until then, thank you for listening. 
Remember, you're not alone, and please join us again soon. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Consult your healthcare team about what's right for you. This show is a production of Standing Up to Pots, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can send us feedback or make a tax-deductible donation at www.standinguptopots.org. You can also engage with us on social media at the handle Standing Up to Pots. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to our podcast and sharing it with your friends and family. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or at www.thepotscast.com. Thanks for listening.